Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories today. We're going to be talking about, well, half of it about things that are good and half of the things that are pretty bad. We're going to be talking about heaven and hell. So if you are not sure whether these places exist, I'm going to share with you some people that have been to both places. And I think they convince you, they'll convince you that these are real places. Uh, heaven is the one where you want to go and be with God. And of course, hell is the one where Satan lives and you absolutely don't want to be there. I want to first read you some scriptures because this is what Jesus has to say about it. Some of the things he has to say about it. Actually, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about hell and, and uses the word hell 15 times. So I know not all of you may be Christian, but some of you may be other religions where you, you believe that Jesus wouldn't lie. Whatever you believe about him, whether he's a prophet, a great man, or whatever you might believe, you, you don't think that he's going to lie to us. So I'm going to read you some quotations from what Jesus said that has to do with hell. Okay, the first one... He told a parable about uh, uh, throwing a net out into the sea and you pull in all kinds of fish. Some of the fish are good fish that you want to take home and, and cook and eat. And some of the fish are bad fish that you don't want to, you don't want to keep at all. And this is what he says. You, you, at the end of the age when the angels come, he's talking about there's going to be bad people just like there are bad fish. And he says, they will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's a description of hell from the mouth of Jesus. The furnace of fire where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's out of Matthew, the 30th chapter, the 13th chapter, the, the uh, 30th and, and the following verses. Another, here's another quotation out of, out of Matthew, uh, Mark, the 9th chapter, where he says, if your hand offends you, cut it off because it's better for you to go to heaven with one hand than to have two hands and go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Did you hear that? Go into hell, into the fire that'll never be quenched. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now, you know, that, that word worm there is a little curious. I looked it up with a Bible scholar named Dakes. And Dake says that the word worm is a, is, a, is a word used of man, meaning mankind. And it refers to the real conscious, the real living, never dying part of the human being that will feel eternal torment of fire and eternal hell. In other words, in other words the man won't have a physical body there anymore, but the, the real man, which is the soul and the spirit of the man, will be there. He will be conscious. He'll be aware that he's in fire. He'll be aware that he's being tormented and tortured. And he will be aware that forever, he will never, ever come out of this situation. Uh, that's hell. 
In another place, Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, meaning God, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So I, I'm not going to take time to read all of the scriptural passages where Jesus talks about hell, but obviously there is a hell, and Jesus did tell us in advance that it was going to be a place of torment, a place where there would be fire and torment forever and ever, and there would be no end to it. There would never, ever be any end to it. Now, I want to tell you about a couple of people that have actually been there and experienced it, their firsthand experience, and that they were blessed of God to be able to come out of it. <clears throat> One of them was named Howard Storm. He was a college professor, and when he actually when he was a boy, like 12-year-old boy, he went to church, he, he got baptized, he was saved, he believed in Jesus. This is when he was 12 years old. But as he went through the educational system, they were teaching him that there wasn't anything, like God didn't even exist, like God is a myth. And, and as he went into higher and higher levels of education, he became more convinced that Jesus was a fiction, that heaven and hell were a fiction, that all you, you were just like roadkill. You'd, you'd just die and you just didn't exist anymore. You just didn't exist anymore. So in his mind, that was an absolute truth. He believed it. The other professors in his college believed it. And that's what they were teaching thousands and thousands of students, that there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no Jesus. There is none of that. It's just forget about it. Okay, so this man was now 36 years of age, he had a perforated ulcer in his stomach, and he was in Paris, France, and he didn't, didn't have care soon enough, let's say, to where he, was, he died. And when he died, he went into what he calls an induction center into hell, where he was stripped of everything psychologically, uh, physically, and people that had had been tormented themselves for thousands of years were now in this induction place tormenting him in ways that were too horrible to imagine or even speak about. Horrible ways of tormenting and torturing people in this fiery hell where he was and he knew that there would never be any way out of that. And in this middle of his torment, a little voice from the inside of him said, call on Jesus. And he thought, well, I mean, as far as he's concerned, Jesus didn't even exist. God didn't even exist. And, and even if he did exist, why would he care about me? He said, why would he care about me? Because I haven't cared about him for 25 years. Why would he care about me? That was his thinking. But he wanted so desperately to get out of that we say hellhole, you know, we say that is uh, talking about things on this earth, but that's really hell there. That's real hell. He ha he, and so he, he was desperate, so he calls out and he says, Jesus, help me. When he said that, a bright light appeared and Jesus came to him and Jesus picked him up out of that hell pit that he was in, out of that torment and torture that he was in, picked him up in his arms and took him out of there. And he said that Jesus held him in his arms and he patted him on the back to comfort him and took all of that 
pain and agony away from him. Well, obviously, now he knows the error of his former thinking, that obviously there is a hell, obviously there is a heaven, obviously there is God, obviously there is Jesus. And so he was determined to spend the rest of his life serving Jesus Christ, which is what he's done. Now, that's one real story of a real human being that actually went to hell and experienced that, and it was too horrible for him to even describe any of the things they were doing to him. They were doing things to him that were so atrocious, he can't even say them with words. That's how horrible it was. Well, there's another guy named uh, Ronald Reagan, <clears throat> and he, he had a very different story from the one I just told you. He was raised in a family that was really horrible, had a horrible father. He beat the mother. He beat the kids routinely. They lived in a little shack up in the mountains, and he, didn't, he just didn't have any love or any care. And, and by the age of nine, he decided that he was going to run away from home, which he did. He ran away from home when he was nine years old, and he decided in his mind at nine years of age that he would hurt as many people as he could hurt on this earth. That was his plan. And so he, he just he got into drugs, became a drug addict, an alcohol addict. He, he just did whatever he could. They sent him to reform school. He grew up in reform school to a large extent. When he got out of that, you know, he would live in a cardboard box on the streets. He would rob people. He would do hor whatever he could do to hurt people, he would do it. He was a derelict. He lived in the gutters. Nobody liked him. They'd put him in jail, and he would break out of jail. Men would do horrible things to him in the jail system sometime, and he said he didn't even care. He'd get high on pain. He didn't even care. So, you know, he broke out of prison and, uh, on one occasion, and, and he, was, he married. He married and had some children, and his wife was divorcing him because she couldn't take it anymore. He, he just, he was, he seemed to be beyond help, and, and he, he would do bad things to his children just like his father had done to him. And she was, she was done with him. She was finished with him. She was divorcing him. But he got out of prison this one time, and he said, could you please just give me one more chance? Just, just give me one. Would you just please give me one more chance? She said, okay, Ronnie, I'll give you one more chance. So she, he started living in, 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 his, in the home again, and she would lock him in the bathroom or lock him in the bedroom because he, would, he was addicted, you know, and so he would be try to break this addiction habit, and and he would knock the door down or knock the window out and get out. And he, he was trying his best, but he just, he just couldn't do it. So one night he said, I, I want to go down to the, the convenience store. It's just a short distance down the street. And she said, okay, we'll, we'll take uh, your son with you. The son was five years old. So Ronnie went down to the convenience store. <clears throat> he started in the door of the convenience store. And there was a man that was coming out. So he was pushing in. The other man was pushing out on the same door. Well, it didn't take hardly anything to just tick him off. And he would just go into a rage. And so he, he attacked this man and knocked the man down into a big, a big pile of bottles that was display bottles. They were glass bottles at that point in time. They still had glass bottles. He knocked him down, and the man fell into this big pile of glass bottles, and he came out with a broken bottle, a broken glass bottle, and he starts slashing Ronnie, slashing, slashing him, and it just about severed one of his arms almost totally off, and blood was squirting out everywhere, but Ronnie kept kicking and fighting and just kept, and the, the, the manager of the 
convenience store came and he said, young man, you better stop. You're, you're dying. You're bleeding to death. They called, you know, they called someone. They took him to the hospital, and that hospital said, we can't handle this kind of big trauma. They said, you'll have to take him by the ambulance to a different hospital. So they loaded him in an ambulance, and while he was in the ambulance, it seemed to him like the whole ambulance filled up with dark smoke, and he thought maybe there was an electrical fire in there or something, but it filled up with dark smoke. And the next thing he knew, <clears throat> he, was, he was falling. He was falling into what looked to him like an active volcano with fire, with flames shooting up, and the stench of, of, of that was in his nostrils. And, and he was falling. He was falling rapidly down like the mouth of an active volcano. And along the walls of this place that were flames of fire, he could hear people that he had known. He had known these people when he was on the earth. Uh, one man would be killed in an auto accident drunk driving. Another would be killed in a shooting trying to rob somebody. They'd been in violent deaths, and he knew those men as men on earth. One, one died with an overdose of drugs. And, and they would be screaming at him. They'd say, Ronnie, Ronnie, don't come here. Don't come here. If you ever come here, you'll never get out. You'll never get out screaming. Don't come here, Ronnie, Ronnie, don't come. He was falling, 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 and suddenly he... he was back, he was in a hospital room. He didn't know where he had been. He didn't know what that experience was because he didn't know God. He had never been to church. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know God. He didn't know that there was a hell or what it was. He had, he had no idea what was happening to him. He just knew that where, wherever that place was, it scared him half to death and he never wanted to be there. Uh, he never wanted to go there again. He was afraid in the hospital room for them to turn the lights out. He'd make them leave the lights on all the time. Even when he got discharged from the hospital, he never wanted to be where there was any darkness because he was afraid that he'd be back in that place again. So he, first thing he did, he tried to get high because he wanted to get, he wanted to get those thoughts out of his mind, those memories out of his mind. He tried to get high, but whatever he did, he couldn't get rid of those thoughts, those memories. One night he came in at 2 o'clock in the morning and his wife was sitting in the bed with a glow around her face. And he, and he said, what, what's happened to you? And she said, Ronnie, tonight I took the children and we went to a, a prayer meeting, to a church. And, and she said, I got saved and the children got saved tonight. She said, would you go with me tomorrow night to the prayer meeting? He said, well, he'd never been in a church. He didn't know anything about it. But he said, well, okay. He, I mean, what other choice does he have? So he goes to church and the pastor says, he said, tonight, I'm going to talk. He said, the Lord told me today to talk to you about this. He said, Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the earth. And he died for sinners. Jesus died for sinners. Well, when, Ra, when, when he heard that word, Jesus was the Lamb that was slain for you as a sinner. He broke down. He'd never cried in his whole life since he was a little boy. He broke down and he started weeping because when he was nine years old, the only thing in his life that loved him and he loved that was a little pet lamb. Somebody gave him a little pet lamb. And he loved that lamb. He'd come home from school in the afternoon and that lamb would be waiting for him and be looking for him and be, you know, love, he, love him back. He came home one day from school, and his father, in a drunk rage, had stabbed that 
lamb to death and beat it to death, and it was laying there dead in a pool of blood. So when the pastor said that Jesus is the Lamb of God that died for sinners, it meant so much to him because of his Lamb that he loved so much. And so he gave his life to Jesus Christ and found out what hell was, where he had been, and where he never wanted to go again. And he spent the rest of his life serving God as a pastor. So I hope by this that you see that hell is real. It's a place that you never, never, never want to go. And the way that you stay out of hell is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, to tell him that you, you ask him to forgive you of what sins that you have in your life, which are probably plentiful. Ask him to forgive you. And the blood of Jesus is strong enough to wash away whatever you've done, whatever you said. It's strong enough to wash all of that away. And he's happy to take you to himself and make you his child. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Well, I'm going to shift gears on you now and let's go to heaven. It's a far better place to be. Uh, let's go there uh, <clears throat> with a man who... He was in a car accident. He and his sister were coming home from school. They'd been to college, and it was around Christmas time. And they had a bad car accident. And the, the, the accident crushed his face and crushed his vocal cords, where he had no more vocal cords anymore, they, you know, and killed him, instantly killed him. He was a Christian boy, young man. He was a young man in his late teens. Immediately then, he found himself in heaven. And his friend that he'd known on the earth that had also died in a car accident before that, he met his friend there, and he knew the friend. The friend knew him. So in heaven, we know that we, we recognize one another. We know one another that we've known on the earth. And the friend started showing him, showing him around. He took him to this place that looked like a library with gold walls on it. And it had all kinds of books in there. And uh, one of the books, he took one of the books down it was the Lamb's Book of Life, and in it was written all of the sins that he had committed in his life before he got saved. And an angel comes, and an angel takes a red cloth, and erases all of those sins away from that Book of Life, and it said, these are all forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So there was nothing against this young man in heaven because he had been washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. So then they left that library setting, and he went into an area that was around the throne of God. Of course, you can't look at God himself or you'll die. So he, you know, he couldn't see God, but he could see, he could see, he could, he could see lightning flashes around the throne of God and thunders, peals of thunders, and angels were there. He saw thrones where, where the uh, 24 elders would be seated, and they were all gone because they were all serving people. In heaven, you serve one another. Even, even the people like David and, and Peter and John and all those people we can read about in the Bible, they're all there to serve people. People serve one another. And so, and a great cloud was around this. And he asked his friend, what is that cloud? And, and the cloud says, these are, these are the prayers of the saints that are coming up before the Lord, praises of the saints that are coming up before the Lord. And then he, he saw the river that was coming out underneath the throne of God, the river of life. You can read about it in Ezekiel, the 47th chapter. And 
his friend took him down by the river and he actually was able to go into the river and you can actually in heaven you can even go underneath the water because you know your bodies are changed you don't need to have oxygen there you don't have a, the same body anymore you have a heavenly body so anyway in the bottom of the river there were there were nuggets of of gold solid gold as big as a man's fist <clears throat> that he could pick up and Jesus was in the river and Jesus was splashing the water and playing with the water and enjoying the water with the people. The water tasted sweet and it was wonderful. There were lots of people always around the river enjoying that river of life there. And then they were, they were strolling along. The streets were of translucent gold, streets of gold in heaven. They walked along those streets of translucent gold. He saw flowers that were singing, flowers that were singing, and trees that were clapping their hands. And the grass, as he stepped on the grass, it would come through his foot. He wouldn't crush the grass like you would here on the earth. He saw an area where there were children playing happily like they would be on a playground on earth. And he saw an area where angels were there and they were molding something. He didn't know what was happening. And he, so he asked his friend, he says, what are those angels doing? And the friend said, they are, they are taking aborted babies, aborted babies from earth. They're forming them and shaping them and molding them into who they were planned to be. So if you've lost a baby, whether you did, whether you did it or it just happened and you've lost a baby that was an unborn baby, you didn't really lose it because if you, if you end up in heaven, which I hope you will, you'll be with that baby again. It won't be a baby anymore. It'll be a child or a uh, it'll be the human being that God wanted it to be and created it to be from the foundation of the earth. So those are the things he saw along the way. He, then, then he was taken to this room and it had a title on the top of it. It said, Unclaimed Blessings. The, and he, he said, what is that? And so his friend took him into that, into that warehouse type place called Unclaimed Blessing. And he saw legs hanging on the wall, arms hanging on the wall, different body parts were all on the inside of that warehouse-like place. And he said, what is this for? And the friend explained to him that sometimes people on earth pray and ask God to heal some part of their body that needs to be healed. And so God tells the angel to come get that body part, take it down there to that person. But before they can even get there and install the body part, the person says, oh, but... You know, I was told that the day of miracles has passed away. That's what they told me in my church, the day of miracles has passed away. So I guess I can't get that. I can't have a healing in that area. I can't get the part that I need in my body. And so the angel takes that body part that was designed for that person, and he takes it back up and he puts it in that warehouse area called unclaimed blessings. And they went on down the path a little more, and his friend took him to his house, to his house. His name is Gary Wood. He took him to Gary's house, and the house was, golly, it wasn't finished yet, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It had marble in it, and it was just the things that Gary would like it to have on earth if he had ever had the money to have it. His, and there were buckets of what looked like paint that were in there because the house hadn't been finished yet. His friend took a handful of that paint and threw it against the wall, and the whole wall became full of a floral arrangement. 
So Gary, wanting to see what would happen, he took the whole bucket and threw it against the wall, and flowers came everywhere with the fragrance of flowers everywhere in the whole room. And so he was, you know, this was wonderful to him. He saw many things in heaven that would, you know, we would love, we would love to live there. Everybody loved one another. Everybody helped one another. It, there was light and no darkness, and he didn't, he didn't want to ever come back to earth, but he did find himself, the, his friend said, oh, they're, 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 they're using that name. She's calling that name. She's calling that name. You're going to have to go back. What was happening was his sister was still in that car. Gary had been dead for about 20 minutes at this point. His sister had Gary's dead body in her, in her, in her lap, in her arms, and she was saying, in Jesus' name, life come back into this body. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, life come back. And they heard it in heaven. She's using that name. You have to go back because she's using that name. She's using that name of Jesus. When you speak the name of Jesus, all attention in heaven stands to attention. And what you're saying in the name of Jesus, it can come to pass. So she was using the name of Jesus, so he had to go back into his body because of the name of Jesus. So they took him to the hospital, of course, and they did a lot of surgery on him, and they told him, look, you've been, your spinal cord has been severed at C2, 3, and 4. You'll be paralyzed from now on the rest of your life. Your vocal cords have been cut, and your larynx, the box where you speak from, that's been totally crushed and cannot be repaired. You'll never be able to speak again in your life. That's what the doctors told him because that was the reality of his physical circumstance. But then... One day, guess who walks in the door? Jesus walks in the door. Jesus touches him right here where his larynx is. It's called your voice box. You probably know that. He touches him on the voice box. And suddenly, he's completely restored. All of his facial features that were smashed, his whole face was smashed. All of his teeth were gone. But now his vocal cords are restored. His severed spine is restored. And now he's well. And so shortly after that, the nurse comes in that's been bringing him food every day. And she brings in the tray of food to him. And when she walks in, he says, praise God, I'm healed. She, she drops the tray because he's not supposed to be able to speak because his, his larynx has been smashed. And so she runs out of the room. She's scared. She calls the doctors, and the doctors come, and they say, you, you know, you can't speak. What, what do you, you can't speak. And he says, but Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus came. He touched me, and he's made me completely well. So he was not paralyzed, like they said. He was healed by the power of Jesus. Now, you, you know, this was one man's experience. There's another man named Jesse Duplantis, which God took him to heaven out of a motel room because he wanted to tell Jesse one thing. He said, I called you here today to tell, that I want you to tell the people that I'm coming soon. Jesus said, I want you to tell them I'm coming back soon. And, of course, Jesse Duplantis saw many things in heaven, too. By the way, he saw dogs. He saw horses. He saw animals. I'm glad he saw dogs because I happen to love dogs, and I'm, I'm looking forward to my dogs being in heaven. He saw the stream of life, the river of life, with trees by the side, with fruits. And the people that would get too weak to try to go toward the throne of God, they could eat some of this fruit and get strengthened and be able to make it a little farther. He saw... He saw the throne of God, but not God, 
But both of these men that went to heaven saw the same thing when they met Jesus. They said his eyes were pools of love. You look at his eyes and his eyes are total love. That's all you see when you look into the eyes of Jesus. Now, I've never seen Jesus personally, but I'm looking forward to the day when I am in heaven with him and I get to see him face to face and I get to look into those eyes that are pools of love. And I'm positive that I'm going to be there because I'm washed clean in the blood of Jesus. And I hope that you make those arrangements for your own life right now, today. Take him as your Savior, as your Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Follow him and meet me in heaven. That's where we'll be. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.